Good morning, everyone, and welcome once again to Whitburn Pentecostal Church. Whether you are part of the church, whether you're visiting with us online today, we just pray God's blessing on you. We pray that you're encouraged by our service today. I hope it blesses you. I hope it challenges you. Uh, today's message uh, is is going to be a bit challenging, I think. It's a message for the church, but it's also a message for, for us as people, as humans on the planet as we think about how we interact with other people. And so we're going to think about that in just a, a little uh, a little while. We're going to worship God through song. We're going to pray. We're going to uh, really try and uh, enter into all that God has for us. So let's just pray as we start. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence in our lives. And we ask that you would come and that you would meet with us today. Father, whether we know you well or whether we're just getting to know you, uh, maybe for some today, they've never made a decision to become a Christian and, and are interested in spiritual things, interested in uh, about church. Lord, I pray that today uh, would be a, a real help, maybe a challenge as well. But Lord, we just pray uh, that you would encourage your hearts today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. So let's begin to worship God uh, through our songs today.
hearts and know that they're so true. Father, we can know that you are in complete control, Lord of everything. Lord, even when the seas are raging, Lord, whatever's happening in our lives, we know that you're there. Father, we know that you're by our side. And Father, you are in control. Lord, we just exalt you and worship you this morning. Lord, we lift up our voices and our hearts before you to give you all the glory. Father, we worship you. How wonderful you are. Lord, we speak how wonderful you are, how great you are. So thank you to the, the team for leading us and it's great to worship God through song and uh, there's something really powerful about praising God. We, we said that last week, we thought about uh, the garments of praise, putting on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, it's what we're dressed in, um, it, it's what God has given us as, as one way to, to combat heaviness and yeah, just maybe that's something that we need to think about, uh, particularly, particularly in our world where there are so many challenges just now. Um, and one of the things that we're going to be challenged with as we come back into the, the building is not being allowed to sing just as things stand uh, at the moment because of the, the, the very nature of singing. So we need to we need to really keep up that, that discipline and that practice. And there's plenty of things uh, online. You can put in uh, CDs or play tapes if you're uh, so inclined. Um, I, I pulled out a, a tape of, of Japanese worship music uh, just a, a couple a few weeks ago and it, it was just incredible to to listen to things um, songs which I had sung uh, there was one song in particular I give you all the honor and I'd, I'd spent uh, the best part of a year in Japan went to a small kind of house church found uh, an international church where we began to sing some of these types of songs and I had never sung that sung that song, I Give You All the Honour, in English before. And I remember the first time I came in to the church building here, uh, the, the band got, got going and, and the whole place just kind of swelled with worship. And we sung that song, I Give You All the Honour and Praise That's Due Your Name. And something about just God's presence came into that moment. And I felt we, we had been looking for a church, Mary and I. And just in that moment, I thought, this is it. This is home. This is where we're supposed to be. And here we are all these years later. But it's just the, the power of praise, the power of worshipping God through song. And can I encourage us to do that? We, do, we, we don't need to be gathered to do that. We can do that on our own as well. So be encouraged, church. Um, there's so much more to worship than, than singing. Singing's a fantastic part of it. But worship is something far bigger than that. We'll think about that uh, maybe just as, as we begin to come back together into the building Remember, we're looking at coming back into the building on the 23rd of August. And uh, so hopefully uh, hopefully you've received some information. You've maybe saw some uh, some of our video uh, material online to look at what, what church uh, gathered is going to look like uh, just as we begin to prepare to come back together again. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we, we want to, to try and get back to, to some kind of form of normality. And the reality for us all is the next uh, however many weeks or maybe months, it, we're going to be in transition again. It's a, it's a transition period. So we will continue to do church online. We will continue to get the message out and to, to get a, a service out online, as well as trying to gather in the building. So 
lots of challenges that lie ahead of us. We need to think about all the other ministries that, that form the life of this church and how we begin to uh, open things up. And so I'd appreciate your prayers of wisdom for that as we go forward. We're going to turn to, to God's word in just a little second. So if you can get your Bibles uh, open, we're, we're back in Genesis chapter 37 uh, once again. So if you get your Bibles open and uh, turn there to verse 17. It's the verse that we shared from last week as well, but just a, a different angle in that. So if you get your Bibles ready. And so the title of what I want to talk about today is When Dreamers Meet Schemers. And last week we thought about uh, what people see, what people see when they see us coming in the distance. Today we're going to think about what people say. What do people say? It's hard to believe, isn't it, that this is the 21st uh, Sunday of, of church online and here we are once again. Um, and I've just been thinking about the life of Joseph. My, my plan with that had been uh, to go into the life of Joseph and, and really what, where I was at in my, my reading and thinking and studying was just what, I, what, what can I learn as a leader from the life of Joseph. And so I, I began to read in Genesis 37 and it says, this is the account of Jacob. I've mentioned this before and I thought I need to understand about Jacob. So I read about his life and just the, the incredible dysfunction in, in this family, Abraham, Isaac, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, just the, the dysfunction in this, this family line was just incredible. And so I, I hadn't even got very far into Joseph when I was reading these things and so many things were just coming to my mind as I was reading about Joseph. And I never got beyond verse uh, chapter 37. Yes, I've read, I've read the other uh, chapters so many times, but I didn't get out of uh, 37. And so I want to read just this little verse again. It says, So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance. We thought about that last week. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. And it was just that little phrase, they plotted, that stuck in my mind as I thought about the message for today. In fact, before I even got as far as thinking this was a message, that line struck me. It struck me about uh, how they knew it was Joseph coming and the distance and what had happened between him coming and the distance and arriving. They had plotted to kill him. So they saw him coming and in that period they began to discuss together and say, all right, let's get this guy sorted out and then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But we need to understand right at the outset, the, the title is When Dreamers Meet Schemers, the whole link between scheming and talking, between talking and gossiping. And sometimes schemers can ruin our dreams. Sometimes schemers in their talking can ruin our dreams. Sometimes schemers in their gossiping can ruin our dreams. Let's think about a few examples of, of dreamers. Obviously, uh, we're thinking about the life of Joseph today. Um, when dreamers met schemers, this is the most obvious one, Joseph and his brothers. Um, the end of the day, Joseph's dream, uh, although he didn't realize it, the plan that God had for his life was to save thousands of people in that part of the world in the time in which he lived. And yet there was these 11 brothers who plotted against him. They talked about what they would do to Joseph. Another character in the Bible is Nehemiah. We've thought about Nehemiah over the last couple of years, how he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. 
But there were two people who spoke negatively, two primary people. There were others as well, but uh, two guys called Sanballat and Tobiah. And they spoke negatively against Nehemiah and against the work. And they tried to talk it all down and to ridicule and uh, just to destroy the dream. When dreamers meet schemers. There are dreamers and there are people in the background scheming away to stop those dreams from becoming a reality. Lastly, in our list of examples, Caleb and Joshua, they spied out the promised land. They went in with another uh, 10 people and they spied out the land. And Caleb and Joshua came back and said, "This, yeah, we can do this. God's with us. But the other 10 spies who remain nameless in most people's memories, they brought back a bad report. They spoke badly in front of the people and they eroded the faith of the people. And it's so easy for the schemers to speak negatively and to erode people's faith. And I think God wants to do something about that. But the reality is that if we have a dream, if we have a God-sized dream, if we want to see something happen that only God can do, then we need to recognize that there will be opposition. There's always opposition to the things which God wants to do. Psalm 23 reflects this as well, where David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And it's a theme that comes through time and time and time again in scriptures. Now, what do we mean What do we mean when we think about these types of things? I'm going to share just a little story. It's a story about three ministers, a Baptist, a Presbyterian, and a Pentecostal. And they were all into fishing. And they decided to go fishing. They had a weekend off. They thought, let's go fishing. Let's get out in that boat and we'll see what we can catch. And so they go out. And the Baptist said, you know, since we're here alone with each other and alone with God, maybe we can tell about our greatest sins to each other. And this might relieve us of some of the guilt and some of the things that we feel. And so they begin to share And the Presbyterian, he began, he says, I'm an alcoholic. By the way, this isn't a reflection on every Presbyterian or any Presbyterian. It's just a joke, okay? Every Sunday, I look forward to the end of the sermon where I go and have a little drink from my bottle of whiskey. Then the Pentecostal minister, he piped up, he says, well, actually, I've got an eye for the ladies. Every Sunday, I look forward to the end of the service service to go and flirt with a pretty uh, woman. And then the Baptist minister, he piped up and he says, well, I love gossip and this Sunday I can't wait to get back to church to tell everybody all about this. The reality is that there are just so many people who talk and talk and talk. And I want us to think about this whole subject of gossip for a little while this morning. Joseph's brothers plotted they talked amongst themselves about joseph and what they would do gossip is in essence unconstrained talk about another person even though the details may be sketchy what did joseph's brothers really know about his dreams anyway 
they had some kind of half-baked idea about who he was. They saw him coming in the distance. They're like, here he comes again. Here comes that dreamer. Can he stand this guy? Dad's favourite. Always gets the best of everything. Here he is. He's coming to find out what we're up to. And he's going to go back and tell Dad. And, oh, we just can't be bothered with this guy. And they begin to talk amongst themselves. And they begin to scheme about what they're going to do with Joseph. And can I just say something at the start as we're thinking about gossip? I want to suggest that malicious gossip is the devil's gateway. Malicious gossip is the devil's gateway. It's his way in. His way into what? Well, let's think about some examples. It's his way in to individuals. Whether it's the person who engages in malicious gossip or the person who's being gossiped about. This is the devil's way in. It's also the way into friendships. Psalm chapter 16 verse 28 says this, gossip separates close friends. Gossip separates close friends. Would you believe that that was even possible? And yet that's what the Proverbs says. Gossip or malicious gossip at least anyway is the devil's gateway into families. The way we talk in families, the way we talk about each other this can give our enemy a way in to families because his desire is to bring destruction. I keep quoting this verse over and over and over again. I've lost count of the amount of times I've shared this verse in the sermons that I preach. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes, the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus has come that we might have life in all its fullness. But malicious gossip is the devil's gateway. It's his way in to families. It's also his way in to congregations. And I say that without question. This was the big problem in the first ever congregation. When Moses was called by God to lead the people out of Egypt into the promised land, God gave him a dream. And right at the start, there were people opposed to his dream. And yet he, encouraged, he was encouraged to keep going for it and God provided for that dream and made it possible. But think about what the children of Israel did. They grumbled against Moses. Do a search in the Bible for grumbled against. And you'll find so many references in Numbers and Exodus and places like that. Uh, how the people grumbled against Moses. And it happens time and time again that people grumble against. It's that talking amongst themselves. Rather than talking to a person and sorting the issue out, they talk amongst themselves. And the issue never gets sorted that way, by the way. It never gets sorted that way. And so we see these problems all the way through the Bible, right from Exodus all the way through, the problems when people uh, talk in an inappropriate way. And the address, the, sorry, getting tongue-tied, the issue is addressed along with others by Paul when writing to the church in Corinth, and this is what he says, for I am afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. And listen to this list of things that were happening in the church at Corinth. 
he says, and he had heard, obviously, I fear that there may be quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, factions, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. And we read it in this passage of a list of things that Paul was saying, I'm really concerned that when I come to visit you, these are the things which I'm going to find happening in the church. And one of them was gossip. The way that we begin to scheme, we may not be intentionally scheming, but when we gossip, we're allowing the devil away in. It's the devil's gateway. You know, the Bible says this, listen to this, this is incredible. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Incredible. And over lockdown, I've had a few occasions to be just sitting outside uh, at my chimney and it comes to that that bit at the end of the night where you're thinking, well, do I put more wood in that fire? You know, it might keep burning till 12 o'clock at night or something like that. Or do I just leave it? The reality is when we stop putting wood on the fire, the embers start to appear and eventually they fade until when you go back out later on at night, there's maybe just one or two little embers glowing in the dark because we've stopped fueling the fire. And the Bible says that without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Talking about others opens up an opportunity for the devil to get a foothold, which is something we're expressly warned against by Paul. And this is what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through to 27. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and listen to this, speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. It's interesting that things like speaking truthfully, anger, are related to giving the devil a foothold. I don't know if you've heard these expressions. You probably have. We use expressions like uh, dish the dirt and give us the gossip. And we can use these phrases jokingly, and I'm sure you do. Uh, you know, we, we need to hear what the gossip is. You know, what's happening? What's the scoop? You know. But on the other side of this, and we can use those things jokingly, but we, 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 we hear other terms of, of people who engage in gossip, things like muckraker, badmouther, scandalmonger. They're just, the very sound of those words makes you go... You don't like the sound of those words. They make us feel uncomfortable. But the reality is that when we engage in unconstrained talk, we open up a gateway for the enemy to come in, to divide individuals, friends, families, congregations, all that type of thing. And Proverbs chapter 10 verse 19 says this, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue, and we're not physically talking about holding your tongue, it's talking about watching what you say, he who holds his tongue is wise. 
Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23 says, He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. I don't know about you, but there's enough calamity going on in the world without me stirring it up for myself. James chapter 3, verse 2 says, We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, listen to that, he is a perfect man or woman, able to keep his whole body in check. And then lastly, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, in the New King James Version of the Bible says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's incredible. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus has come that we might have life in all its fullness. If we think about that, if we're influenced by the dark side, then we can cause death through our words. If we're influenced by good, by God, by the Holy Spirit, and we use our words for good, then we can bring life to people. You know, it's... I heard the story about the boss who was giving his secretaries a row for, for gossiping. Now, I'm not saying whether they were men or women, by the way. Just let's clarify that. We're just talking about secretaries, and they get a row from the boss about gossiping, to which they say, we're not gossiping, we're networking. And it makes me think about in the church when you say, don't gossip, and they say, we're not gossiping, we're just sharing prayer requests. All holy, <laughs> exonerated. But the reality is that when we get involved in unconstrained talk, sometimes we say things that we maybe wish we could unsay. What happens when we let our words fly? And I believe when we talk about people negatively, when we gossip, there are three primary things that happen. And as I thought about this verse in Genesis, where it says that they plotted, they plotted to kill him. Before, they, before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. As I thought about that verse, I was sitting reading about it, praying about it, meditating on it. There were three things that came to mind, and I'm just going to run through these really quickly. Firstly, when we get engaged in unconstructive, unconstrained talk, we disrespect the person. And this impacts their personhood. Let me ask some questions. Are we not all created in the image of God? And do we not all have inherent worth and value? Because Jesus died because God loved the world. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, that God loved you and me and everyone else in the world so much that he sent his only son to die so that our lives might be changed, so that we might have a relationship with God once again because sin broke that relationship down. God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. If we believe in him, we'll not perish, we'll not have that eternal separation from God, both now and in the afterlife, if I can put it that way. God came that we might have life. Jesus loved us and gave his life for us. Are we not all gifted in different ways? Did Christ die for me, you, us, to atone for our sins, to make us clean, to cover over our sins. 
Yes, he did. And when people disrespect us by the things that we say, it affects the very essence, it affects who we are. If I heard it once, I heard it a hundred times in Mitsubishi, this word dignity and having dignity. And you might think that that's a positive thing, but it was used in a negative way. It was used to make people feel guilty. In a predominantly young workforce, we heard all the time about having dignity. In other words, you need to have dignity. You need to pull yourself up. You need to get some self-respect about yourself because we seem to lack dignity. And when you hear these things all the time, it starts to get into your, your, your soul. It starts to get into the very essence of who you are. You see, the reality is that we're all people. We're all complex, fearfully and wonderfully made, as the Bible talks about, created in God's image. And we can grieve and we can feel emotional pain when our personhood is maligned by the negative words of others. When we begin to engage in unconstrained, unconstructive, unwholesome talk, we begin to disrespect other people, which affects their very personhood, the very core of who they are. Secondly, I think we disrobe the person, which impacts their privacy. Genesis chapter 37, verse 23, it says, So when Joseph came to his brothers, what did they do? They stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing. Remember that this robe, we talked about it last week, that's how they, they recognised him coming in the distance. It was the gift of his father. And they took that gift off of him and they stripped him and they put him in a pit and they were going to kill him. But for his older brother, Reuben, who says, oh, we'll stick him down into the pit here and, and, and we'll, we'll just we'll sort this out later. He, he intended to come back and rescue him. In the, the meantime, he gets sold off into slavery. But what does it say there? That they stripped him of his robe. And I think when we begin to engage in unconstructive, unconstrained, unwholesome talk about other people, we begin to disrobe them. We begin to expose their nakedness. We begin to expose their weaknesses. Potentially exploiting their vulnerability and leaving them feeling less than whole. I just, as, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, what would we do if our private information was plastered all over the internet for everyone to see? Your name, your date of birth, your parents, where you were born, your telephone numbers, your address. What would you do? You, you, would, you would get right on the phone to the information commissioner's office and you say, by the way, somebody's plastered my private information all over the internet and you'd have a just cause for a complaint and for prosecution of that individual because it would be a, a gross misuse or abuse of trust. But I was thinking about this. When we, when we engage in unwholesome, unconstrained, unconstructive talk about other people, what we're doing is we're exposing their weakness. We're exposing their faults, flaws, potentially mistakes, potentially their vulnerability. And we take away that person's privacy. We take away that person's ability to have something that they may have shared in confidence, maybe something that they've only uh, spoken about between God and maybe one other person. And then it becomes their 
out there for everybody to hear. And can I just suggest something, just a thought as I was thinking about this? Not only do we expose that person's weakness to the people that we're speaking to, we expose that person to the spiritual powers. Listen to this. It talks about rulers, authorities, the powers of this dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We read about that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Have we ever thought that when we engage in unconstrained, unwholesome, uh, uh, I forgot my other, you, <laughs> when we begin to engage in this kind of talk, then we're exposing that person to a spiritual world as well. Things which we may have kept private, we, ex- we expose that person. And so we, we disrobe them. Not just, I'm not talking about physically disrobing them. I'm, I'm talking about taking things off of them so that other people can see their weakness and their vulnerability. And when we do that, we play right into the enemy's hands. We play into his hands. We give the enemy ammunition. And let me be so clear here, the enemy will use it. You see, the Bible is really clear about these things. And it's clear also about confession. It's clear about agreeing with God's assessment of who we are. We need to confess to God and it helps to confess to others. If I've wronged someone, I want to endeavour to make that right. But when someone has wronged us, it's then in turn wrong of us to broadcast that weakness to others. Listen to what the Bible says about these things. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Above all, above all, above everything else, love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12 says, Hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers over all wrongs. Do we really love people? That's the crucial question. Do we really love people? Let me read what Proverbs chapter 17 verse 9 says. He who covers an offence, and I'm not talking about covering our own offences, we need to confess them to God and sometimes we need to confess them to other people. If I've wronged somebody, I want to go and confess that to the person. I'm not going to want to broadcast it to other people. If somebody's wronged me, I probably want to go to that person and have a conversation with them rather than broadcast it to other people. He who covers over an offence promotes love. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. And I just find these incredibly challenging passages. You see, when we begin to engage in that unconstrained, unwholesome, unhelpful talk, we disrespect the person we disrobe the person, and lastly, we disempower the person. And let me just have a wee second here. It says, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing. Sorry, that was the the passage uh, that I meant to uh, click on earlier. When we engage in all this, these things happen. We disrespect the person, we disrobe the person, and lastly, we disempower the person. And that impacts their purpose. When people speak about you negatively, when they engage in unwholesome, unconstructive, unconstrained talk, power leaves you. And when people talk about us negatively, and I'm talking about in the church here, we can feel power drain from us. 
And I think it's a spiritual thing that happens. And I've been so aware of this at certain times. I remember walking into a room, not that people were talking about me, but there was unwholesome, unconstrained, unhelpful, unconstructive talk. There were things going on in that room. I didn't hear any of that. I didn't see any sign of that. But when I went into that room, something in my spirit sensed that there was something wrong. There was a spiritual knowing that something was wrong. And when, when, we're, when we're talked about, I think we can feel that power draining from us. It's like a creeping, sinking, slow but steady erosion of our very reason for existence. Have you ever felt like this? Have you ever experienced that? I've been around church a long time and I know what happens in church. And normally when I get to the end of the message, I'm thinking about the application. I'm thinking about how does this apply to our lives. But as I thought about this message today, I thought the whole message is the application. The whole message is the application. When we involve ourselves in scheming, when we talk about others, when we are involved in malicious gossip, unconstrained talk, then we disrespect that person. We disrobe that person and we disempower that person. It affects our very personhood, it affects our privacy, and it affects our purpose. Incredible, isn't it? So this whole message really is the application and it's a challenge to us as a church. And I feel this message today, church, why, why am I sharing this? Because the reality is that we slip up and we get caught out and we get tripped up. We all are guilty of these things and we need to be challenged on these things. And for me, as, as I thought about this message, I thought this is a real challenge for the church. It's a real challenge for anyone who listens to this today. But it reminded me of the message about cleaning the nets, about making sure that the church is clean, which is a, a message that actually Pastor Jamie Tong reiterated when he shared with us uh, a number of weeks ago. And so God is saying something, and we need not only to listen to what he's saying, but we need to do something about it. Maybe we need to get on our knees and confess before God. Maybe we need to go to somebody else and say, look, I'm really sorry, because this is what's been happening if we have been engaged in talking about others, then let's get on our knees before God. Let's get it out in the open before him. Let's pray to him and let's get it sorted out. And if needs be, let's go to somebody else and say, look, you know, let's let's get together. Let's have a coffee. Let's have a Zoom meeting if, if that's all we can do these days, whatever it is. And let's just spend a bit of time sorting these things out. And the simplest test of your words, if I can close with this, the simplest test of our words is to put ourselves in the position of the person who's being talked about. Put yourself in the position that you're talking, put yourself in the position of the person that you're talking about and ask, how would that make me feel? You see, the golden rule, this is what Jesus said. There are three things which Jesus said which are really important. He says, love God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So you have to love God, which means obeying what he commands. To love your neighbor as yourself, well, you need to love yourself. You need to have a bit of self-respect. So you need to love yourself, but you need to love other people the same way. And then the third thing, which is called the golden rule, treat other people the way that you want them to treat you. 
treat other people in the same way. So let's put ourselves in the position of the other person. And if that was you that other people were talking about in the same way, how would you feel? Would you feel disrespected? Would you feel disrobed? Would you feel disempowered? On that, let this simple rule guard our hearts. Think about this. Put yourself in the position of the other person and let that simple rule just guard us in the way that we do things and the way that we say things. Why am I saying all this? Because it was in Genesis chapter 37, looking at leadership lessons from the life of, life of Joseph, and something arrested my heart as I read these words and as I thought about it and as I meditated on it. And I thought, I think God wants me to share this message with the church. And so it's not meant to be personal because I know that these types of things, some, sometimes people can say, oh, that, that was aimed at me. Um, well, it was actually aimed at us all. It was aimed at me as well because God challenges me with everything that I share uh, in public before I share it. And I need to get myself right and get my heart right before God. We all need to get our hearts right before God in these areas. So let's pray as we uh, draw this message to a close. Father, we just thank you for this church. I thank you for the people in this church. I thank you for every family that's represented. And Lord, we just pray your blessing on every aspect, every dimension of this church, every person in this church. And Lord, we pray that you would allow us to rise up into the things which you have for each one of us, that your gift may be evident in us. Father, that gift that you have clothed us with. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to encourage each other, Father, not to try and take that gift off by unconstrained, unwholesome, unconstructive talk, but Father, to use our words to build, to use our words to bring life, to use our words to encourage always. And Father, to remember that love covers a multitude of sins. Father, to remember that gossip separates even friends. But Father, love covers a multitude of sins. And so, Father, may we be loving towards each other. May we be gracious towards each other. And, Father, may we learn how to put you first in every area of our life, including our thoughts and our words, which will eventually affect our actions. Father, may we know your spirit at work in our lives this week. May we just be engaged in the things of your kingdom this week. Father, we pray that your kingdom will come, that your will would be done in this church, in our lives, in our communities that are represented by this church and in our nation at this time. Father, our nation needs uh, a touch from you. And so, Father, we pray for our nation. We pray for our leaders that you would give them wisdom. And Father, we just pray that you would help us uh, to be encouragers. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe maybe perhaps today has been a, a little bit of a different message um, I think it's something that we can apply in different areas of our lives. Whether you're a Christian today or not, you may not be a Christian. But I think there's some wisdom, hopefully, and some principles in today's message that you can take into your workplace, into your school, into your university, amongst your friends, uh, that there's wisdom and some principles that we can apply there for our lives. So I just want to encourage you today uh, that if you've never made a decision to become a Christian, then you can make that decision it's about allowing God into our lives. It's about allowing the things which he says over us to get into our lives and get into our spirits. And so if you've never made that decision to become a Christian, then I'm going to pray a prayer. And you can just repeat this prayer after me in the privacy of your own heart or out loud. And then there'll be some information come up at the end of the video uh, just of how you can get in touch with us through our website. 
to let us know that you've made that decision and we want to send you some things in the post and to help you. So the Lord bless you and just repeat this prayer uh, after me. Dear God, I ask that you forgive me for the things which I've been saying and doing that have not been the things that you want me to engage in. Come into my life by your Holy Spirit. Forgive me and make me clean. And give me the strength to live your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, as I said, please get in touch with us and let us know because we want to just be able to encourage you and help you. As we draw the service to a close, I just want to wish uh, everyone a, a, a fantastic week and uh, may the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious towards you and give you peace. In Jesus' name.